The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. Um, obviously, it's uh, Palm Sunday. We're thinking of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And um, I just want to uh, look at that. I'm, I'm kind of looking in the account in Matthew chapter 21, if you want to follow it in your Bible. Um, before I went into ministry, I used to have a proper job, uh, as I call it, um, up in Manchester, and I used to work for Save the Children Fund uh, in Moss Side in Manchester. And um, we moved to some new offices, and then we got a note that Princess Anne, who's the president of Save the Children Fund, was coming to do the official opening of the offices. I always remember that time, because when you read the scriptures and you read what Jesus says will happen when he returns, that kind of happened in a mini version when Princess Anne turned up. Because there's some people I work with don't recognise the monarchy. And so they said, we're not coming. So they're working for the organisation of which is president, but they absented themselves on her visit. And Jesus has made it clear that not everyone will welcome his returning. Some will don't recognise his kingship. Uh, but you can't just have a day off when Jesus comes. I mean, it's going to be a dreadful thing uh, if you do that when Jesus comes. Others were excited about it. Uh, I could just see a lot of work to be done. And uh, if you translate that into the kingdom as an evangelist, I, I can see a lot of work to be done before Jesus comes back. But m- many things happened Uh, that was similar, I think, or had parallels to Jesus coming into Jerusalem, uh, revealing himself as the King of Kings and the Messiah. One of the things that happened up in Mossad was, we we were in the office a couple of years before it was officially opened, and the the potholes in the road down to the office were were dreadful. I mean, uh, no more than any Manchester road, I have to say, but we'd written to the Manchester Council and pleaded with them for many times, and, and there was just no action. The potholes just got bigger. But surprise, surprise, two days before Princess Anne came, the road was completely resurfaced, right down all the way to the office and slightly beyond. And, uh, and they even brought a kind of machine uh, after it had been tarmac to kind of wash the road. One of the things I was responsible for was the transport in that, uh, in that kind of uh, uh, project. And uh, they decided that uh, Princess Anne would be coming in on a helicopter. And uh, they decided that if someone had planted a bomb in the minibus where I'd parked it, it would, uh, you know, it would serve as a risk. So they asked me to go and move it. So by now all the crowds are there, the barriers are up. And the only way to get to where I needed to get to was to walk down this new road that Princess Anne would walk down. And there was a sense, because I had an official badge and everything, there was a sense as you walked along that all these people have come to see me. <laughs> I mean, I knew they hadn't, you know, but they're all there with flags. And um, I just want to repeat that story yesterday for those of you not here, about the, uh, the story about the little donkey uh, in Jerusalem, and it was his first time out of the stable, and he went off for the day, and the other donkeys went to do what they had to do. And he came back, and at night he was uh, puffed out his chest, he was very proud, and uh, his mum says, what's, you know, what's up with you? So he says, I am so fantastic. 
you know, I went into Jerusalem today to the big city. Everyone came to see me. They were throwing their coats on the ground, palm branches. Everyone was shouting. Everyone was happy to see me. You know, I am so fantastic. And she said, of course, it, it wasn't you. It was the one you were carrying. And, uh, of course, it wasn't me that people were waving Union Jacks at on the net. They were actually just waiting for Princess Anne to come. But she came in a helicopter and landed in a park nearby. But Jesus came on a donkey. And I keep thinking, as I was sharing of it yesterday, why he came. You see, Princess Anne, obviously, it's appropriate that she comes in a helicopter. I mean, we weren't the only thing she was doing that day. Uh, and I guess she spends a lot of time going around the country kind of opening things. And uh, she probably pulled more of them cords and says, I declare this open. Then she, she's had hot dinners probably, or probably exactly the same amount, actually. <laughs> probably has to do it every time she eats somewhere. But Jesus, who is the king of kings, uh, chose to enter into Jerusalem on a donkey. So, yes, he was identifying himself with King David. That's why people were shouting uh, Hosanna, son of David. Yes, he was fulfilling a prophecy. Um, but, you know, if you compare that picture to the, the picture in Revelation of him on a white horse when he comes again, uh, it does speak also of humility. But I think his main point that I feel at the moment is just to let you and I know that whatever we've done in the past, whatever mess we've made, uh, you know, we can carry the anointed one. Because sometimes we have the idea that we have to have prayed more than everyone else. We have to have repented our sin more of everyone else. You know, we have to be sort of special and holy in some way before God can use us. But Jesus comes. And obviously we are to pray. And obviously we are to pursue personal holiness. And obviously, we, you know, we need to desire the things of God. But the point is that God can use us just as we are. And um, I, was, I was up north at a church and uh, there were a couple of people who'd been uh, delivered out of sort of nightclubs and drugs and the occult. And um, this young girl stood up, she'd not been a Christian very long, and she stood up to give a testimony and she began by saying, my life was crap before I met Jesus. And I thought, that's so wonderful because I wouldn't use that word in church. <laughs> But it's so real, isn't it? And, and as, the, as the testimony unfolded, it was so powerful. And so, you know, we don't have to be all polished and sharp before God can use us. And he's using that young lady and her friends in a very powerful way uh, up north. And uh, uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. So don't think that you have to do something else before God can use you. He can use you today very powerfully and if you think of all the people he used you know he, he said to Moses that I'm going to make you the national spokesman and of course Moses said you know he's slow of speech or he seemed to have some sort of speech impediment and uh, you can imagine I, I always smile when I think of him saying I'm slow of speech because one of my favorite sitcoms is uh, um, Open All Hours you know with it with Ronnie Barker and Arkwright and he, he has that sort of stammer. And he keeps saying, Granville, f f fetch a cloth. And you just imagine that you would never appoint that character as the national spokesman, would you? You just wouldn't. But God says, I want you to be.
with the national spokesman. And it gives him the compromise that he can send Aaron with him. So he can stammer something to Aaron. Aaron can speak. Um, and then David, who'd messed up, you know, and committed adultery and arranged a murder. God said that he was a man after his own heart. Not that God commits adultery or commits murder. But he means he, he is, uh, in essence, he, he sought the things of God. And yes, he did mess up. But God still used him very, very powerfully. So I think the, that, that symbol of Jesus coming on a donkey, the anointed one, uh, is very, very uh, powerful. Um, there was a lovely incident when Princess Anne was stood there. You know, stood there like, like you do. I, I don't know how the royal family do it. I have every admiration. You know, the most handshakes I have to do is... Uh, Normally when I speak at our church, if I speak, I stand near the door at the end and shake hands with sort of 50, 60 people. And, um, and they all say lovely service every Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> but the royal family, you know, it's kind of what they do all day, isn't it? And uh, I've every, every admiration. Anyway, I stood in the line waiting to shake Princess Anne's hand before we, had, we, we all had lunch together. And uh, she was talking to the chap next to me. And um, she was just there in a sort of uh, orange, sort of pale orange, salmon-coloured coat uh, and a hat. And um, one of the things that happened in the building where I worked was there was a, a kind of playgroup, nursery thing. And one of the kids escaped, you know, high security, <laughs> police, police with guns on the roof. But one of the toddlers <laughs> escaped from the playgroup and came up behind Princess Anne and pulled on a coat. And she turned around and this little kid said, are you a real princess? Because <laughs> he'd read about princesses in books, you know, with them pointy hats and the, you know, and the fairy stories, and she didn't quite look like that. He said, are you a real princess? And she smiled and said, yeah, I'm a real princess. And one of the things that happened here was people were saying, who is this? And uh, you imagine the buzz in the town. It says that the whole city came out. It's a tremendous buzz. And, uh, you know, they'd heard stories of healings here and there. And maybe because it was Passover that Lazarus, who <laughs> some of them were, were at his funeral, and then Lazarus shows up for the festival. <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, that's unusual, isn't it? But they heard that Lazarus was raised from the dead, and then he shows up in the city after some of them have been to his funeral. So there's this sort of news spreading around. And then they hear that he's coming. The guy that all these stories have been told about, the guy who was there, who seems to connect people with the living God, who's not like the ordinary rabbis, but this guy, stuff happens when he's around. They, they, no one's ever fallen asleep when Jesus is speaking or ministering. And uh, so everyone goes out to see him. And, um, and they, the multitudes... Uh, throw their coats on the ground. And that's, a, that's what they did. That's the equivalent to rolling out the red carpet. So, you know, as they took their coat off and threw it on the ground, that's a big statement that we recognise this travelling rabbi, you know, has authority in this Roman-occupied city. And, of course, they were occupied by the Romans. They were, they were under oppression. And there were also Jewish kings as well under the Romans. But they were throwing the coats down as you would only do if a member of the royal family came. They were rolling out the red carpet. And then someone began to shout this word, Hosanna. Now, 
you know, we, we used to sing that when I was little. I went to a church of England school and we used to sing that and I never knew what it meant. But that's really, when you begin to say that to someone, you're really saying that they're the Messiah because it means literally, save us now. So it's not a prayer to God to one day save us, but it, it's saying that you are the saviour and so please save us now. And there was the implication that he would save them from the Roman occupation because the Messiah would come and take control. So it, there was a moment there where they thought this guy somehow, although he's on the donkey and he's just a rabbi, something's going to happen. He's going to overthrow the whole Roman occupation. And so this great roar comes. Uh, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us now. And uh, some people laugh at the phrase, you know, if you say I'm saved. But it's a tremendously powerful word. And there's three aspects at least to being saved. First of all, we're saved from something. We're saved from sin, the sin of unbelief of Jesus. But we're also saved from our particular sins. You see, when, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, he said to his followers, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the sin of rebellion, the sin of Adam. But the result of that sin that we all have are our personal sins. And uh, one of the things that God saved me from was anger, really. I was a very angry young man. I just walked around like Basil Fawlty all the time. <laughs> Irrational anger all the time. But it's interesting, looking back, that actually I do get angry sometimes. Uh, we, we just look, we put it in our newsletter, that uh, last year when we were doing the accounts, we've actually sent six, over £63,000 to re relieve poverty in the parts of Africa where we work. And I was thinking, how the heck did that happen? Because I do take the thing down to the bank once a month, but I never sit there and kind of add it up. But the, the account, we got a new accounts guy, and he, he kind of drew this to my attention. And I think it's when I do go out to Africa and I see poverty and I do get angry about it and think, uh, coming out of that, how can we do something about it? And that's kind of how we set things up. So it's like God's taken something that was a weakness and a sin, but actually used the positive aspect of that sort of personality trait. But we're saved from something. So God wants to rescue us from the consequence of our sin. Uh, but in some churches... <laughs> You'd think that that's all he did, that we're just saved from sin, but he saved us for something. It's not just that you get saved from sin so you can watch Coronation Street, and uh, you know, maybe you like Coronation Street, I don't know, but that's not God's vision for your life in, in its entirety. He might be happy if you watch it, but he's got something in addition, okay? <laughs> he has a plan, so we're saved for a purpose, and uh, that will be different for each one of us. We're not all called to be preachers but he saved us for a purpose he has a purpose and a plan and he said in jeremiah 29 11 i know the plans i have for you plans for good and not for harm and and thirdly we're saved by someone it's personal it's personal and uh god bless princess anne but you know, just seeing you for 20 seconds and shaking your hands and saying, what do you do? Isn't, you don't really, there's no relationship in that, really. And, 
you know, I said to someone we had lunch with Princess Anne and they didn't believe me, and I, I had to clarify, there were 200 other people there. <laughs> it wasn't just me and Hazel. And there's no relationship in that, really. But Jesus comes personally to save us. And you know the old saying that even if we were the only person that needed to be saved, he would have still come and done that. He would, because he loves you with an everlasting love. We're saved by something. And then when he comes into the temple, um, something happens. He sees the money changers and those just uh, just do sort of making money out of religion. And he overturns the tables and uh, causes a stir in the temple. And of course, all that's been going on for years. And he says to them, you know, it's written that my house shall be a house of prayer. And I think when, if we have a visitation from God, and I believe Britain is in the, in, at the beginning of a visitation, a new wave of visitation from God to bring revival, uh, God calls us back to prayer. All revivals, if you read the history, they all began with somebody praying. But God even called those people to pray. And I sense, it, although I do pray often, every day, I sense that God is calling me to draw me closer. And uh, recently in January, I, I spent a few days in a monastery uh, with um, seven evangelists. Uh, we all went to stay at this monastery near Leicester. And uh, you learn about prayer because the brothers, the first prayer meeting's at 3.30 a.m. <laughs> they said, you'll hear a bell. So I said, I'll pray horizontally. So at 3.30 a.m., seven times in the day, they pray. And uh, I asked one of, the, or, or one of the guys, asked one of the brothers, why, why do you need to pray at 3.30? And just as though it was very natural, he said, well, Jesus said, the devil works at night, and so we pray to hold fat back the forces of darkness across Britain. Wow. <laughs> Thank God there's 70 people, at least in Leicester, every night praying to hold back the forces of darkness across Britain. You know, because we can think, because well, they, don't, they don't go out, it's a closed order, you can think, what's the point of that? But I'm, I was really glad when I heard that. And they're serious about prayer, very serious about prayer. And uh, it really made me think. So I don't think I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. every morning. Some days, if I can get to bed before 3 a.m., I'm doing well. <laughs> But I do feel God saying, you need to get more serious about prayer. I don't know what he's saying to you. But he said, it's not about making money and being famous and all the rest of it. It's about prayer. Everything significant begins with prayer. And so I'm taking that this year as a call from God to pray more. It's like Jesus has ridden into my personal space. And these things are happening. And, uh, and then the, the kids were calling out Hosanna to the Holy One. And the Pharisees tried to stop it. And he said, have you not read from the mouths of babes, I've ordained praise. So God restores true worship. Uh, and of course we, can, we come and worship every Sunday all across this world. Christians come together and sing the praises. But there's also a spirit of worship that breathes life into those 
uh, words. And uh, you think of people like the Wesleys, Charles Wesley and his brother John and Charles Wesley and uh, Cowper and, and all sorts of other people during that period of the Wesley revival. And just the, the songs. I was reading uh, John Newton's autobiography and his, he was struggling talking to Cowper about uh, uh, what... Uh, what the wording for the, this Wednesday's hymn should be, because he wrote a new hymn every week for the, for the home meeting. <laughs> I mean, that's another dimension of worship, isn't it? So you're not just singing the song, you're having to write it every week, a new song. So God calls us back uh, to worship. And then in verse 14 it says, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. So you see, as I was saying yesterday, the kingdom of God comes. There's prayer, that that relationship with God. The worship is restored and renewed. Instead of feeling like a duty, suddenly it becomes people are just singing in the car. You know, people are just as they go about their work, they're singing all the day. And then he healed them. I was listening to um, a wonderful account of a lady that works with drug addicts overseas and she's been there a long time and uh, they, they get a lot of drug addicts converted and uh, she has a group for the new ones so she had about 80 of them and they only allow them to read the gospels at the beginning because she wants them to know Jesus so they only look at his words and they pray for the Holy Spirit to touch them. So there's a man, so he's still on heroin, a long-term heroin addict. He's not got off the heroin. <coughs> he got converted two days ago. And uh, they're in this meeting, and there's a guy who, who's uh, been a Christian for four weeks, something like that. So in the group, he's kind of like a long-term one. <laughs> and uh, she says on this uh, tape I was listening to, about the poor, she said there's something about the poor, they can hear things in the spirit that others of us don't hear. And she said they don't, you can't reason them into the kingdom. And she said, how many testimonies have you heard where someone said, I can't remember what the preacher said, but I I just felt I had to go forward. (laughs) And she talks how Jesus is meeting with these mainly men and women in her ministry and uh, one of the most dramatic ones was this man and he came to the meeting and it came to the point where she was just going to share a short message and uh, he said I'm going to sleep now so she thought oh this is the really important bit (laughs) and he closed his eyes and he went to sleep and so she spoke her message and suddenly woke up and said I must receive Jesus now (laughs) so she said oh why must you receive Jesus so he said well I went to sleep and Jesus appeared in a dream and he said, I must receive him now. So I want to receive him now. <laughs> so it's a very kind of direct thing. But they were looking on this day at the passage about the, the treasure in the field, the parable of the treasure in the field, about the man who found the treasure and sold everything and bought all, all it had. And rather than always tell them the meaning, she asked them because she believes Jesus is speaking to them. And so she said to this man, two days converted heroin addict, um, Uh, So who is the man and who is the treasure? That's what we're going to look at. So who is the man who bought the field? And the drug addict said, uh, the man who bought the field is Jesus. So she said, oh, so who's the treasure? And then he said, well, the treasure's me because he sees me as a treasure, doesn't he? 
and he's the one that paid everything to get me. Now, I've never heard it like that. And when I think about it my way, my way seems to suggest that I can buy Jesus. I think he's kind of heard something there that I've never seen before. Two days and still on heroin, but Jesus meeting people in real relationship. So I think God wants to restore healing, worship, prayer, all the things that came with the kingdom when he came. And on this Palm Sunday, I believe to each one of us, he's marching into our lives. It's like we're Jerusalem and he's coming. And uh, he's looking for people who are going to stick with him. You know, it says that some people that got healed followed him. But these people in this story, seven days later, the same people were shouting, crucify, crucify. It's the same crowd. And so he's coming, but he's looking for something a bit deeper that will stick through thick and thin, through life and death, and draw close to him. Let's pray. Father, we ask you that we would not be, we would not have that fickle faith that shouts Hosanna one day and crucify the next, but that you would, you would visit our hearts, that you would restore the place of prayer in our lives, that you would restore true worship in our spirit, that you would release healing miracles through us, in us, and around us. And we pray the prayer that these people prayed. Hosanna, save now. Save us from something. Save us for something. And we say that you are the one through whom we are saved. In Jesus' name, amen. just want to make a, a, a moment... Uh, they prayed for the sick and we, we had the healing day yesterday. So if you want prayer for healing, um, I think just stay where you are because I just sense God's with us very powerfully. And uh, let's just bow our heads. And uh, if you want prayer for something or someone that's not here, um, just uh, put your hand on your chest and uh, just be open to God to come now. Jesus, we welcome you. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you that Jesus came. We thank you that Matthew 8, 17 says he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses on the cross. He took them 2,000 years ago. So today we take the healing that his wounds paid for by his wounds we are healed. We say that as a statement of faith. We are healed. We thank you that you forgive, as Psalm 103 says, forgive all our iniquities, heal all our diseases, that you fill our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Come, Lord Jesus, visit your people in these days. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our homes, in our lives, and in this nation. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Do drop me an email to don at rsvptrust.co.uk. Uh, let me know uh, that you're receiving the podcast. 
Also, if you're in the East uh, Anglia area in the UK, do join us at uh, Junction 50. It's a new monthly meeting we're going to be having. And you can find out about that on our website, www.rsvptrust.co.uk forward slash Junction 50. Thanks for listening today and um, I'll be with you next time on the podcast. The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world.